Hello, and welcome to the Connected Community Podcast. Today, my interview is with Stephanie Farrell, who works with women over the age of 40 to overcome eating disorders. And Stephanie shares her own personal struggle of dealing with complex trauma from childhood and adulthood that led her down a path of eating disorders well into her 40s. And at the time, the cognitive model and the medical model was completely failing her and wasn't working. And it wasn't until she found yoga, mindfulness, movement, matrix reimprinting, and specifically EFT, emotional freedom technique, that her path to healing began. And so Stephanie walks us down a few of the techniques with emotional freedom technique. We talk about the myths and the facts behind eating disorders and how almost all eating disorders are linked to trauma. This is a really informative interview. This isn't a topic I was well-versed on and I learned so much, so I hope you will enjoy it as well. Hello, and welcome to the Connected Community Podcast, a place to explore possibility through mindfulness, movement, and self-discovery. Our intention is to deliver insight and inspiration while fostering conversations that are genuine, unfiltered, and deeply human. We hope you will enjoy today's episode. Hi, Stephanie. Welcome today to the Connected Community Podcast. I'm so excited to be chatting with you today. Hi. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for uh, having me. Yeah. And so your specialty is working with women over 40 that have eating disorders. And you work with mindfulness and movement to help them overcome um, body image issues and their eating disorders. And I think that this is a topic that isn't really explored as much as it might um, need to be. And so before we dive into that, I would love for you to share a little bit about your own personal experience and how you landed into this um, specific niche. Okay, so um, growing up, I, um, I had some issues, of course, with um, trauma, and that led to a coping mechanism of um, bulimia, anorexia, uh, different, you know, vacillations between those two extremes. Um, and I suffered for many years, not knowing how to uh, really get help. I think I was 17. I was uh, part of a um, uh, support group at a local hospital um, and uh, was having counseling. But nothing really touched on what was underlying all of these issues for me. So I... Um, I wasn't hospitalized, although it was threatened. Um, and I regained weight. Uh, I went about my way. And for several years, uh, I still had issues in this area. Everything from orthorexia to bulimia to anorexia to um, overexercise. You're very obsessive with food and uh, regimes and that kind of thing. And it wasn't until I found some of the tools that I use with women that I really was able to heal those uh, deep wounds of the trauma and also uh, healing those patterns or re, um, repatterning myself, basically. Mm -hmm. And is your I'm belief that all of these eating disorders that, um, that people have are linked to trauma? Well, every woman I have worked with has some kind of trauma underneath. So 
that leads me to believe that, yes, there's something traumatic underneath that actually um, they need a coping mechanism. And that's their way of coping is to sort of put it externally onto the body and the body image. People think trauma and they think of like earthquakes and you know, tsunamis mm-hmm. and like, you know, losing their whole family or something in, in a terrible accident. But it, trauma is really um, a subjective thing. Two people mm-hmm. can go through the same thing and it may cause someone, one person to, to be traumatized and then the other person is is not, mm-hmm. right? So it could be something like a, um, the way you're disciplined or something someone said. It could just lead you to think differently about yourself and the world around you. Mm-hmm. So when you were led to treatment for yourself, was that um, somebody else leading you to treatment or did you put yourself there voluntarily? Uh, I didn't. I was about 17. Uh, I was in a traumatic accident, a motorcycle accident. Mm. And uh, so I had traumatic brain injury, convalescing there. The atmosphere was something I couldn't control. I couldn't control, you know, the pain that I was in. I couldn't control all of those things. And um, the anorexia just completely blew up and I lost so much weight um, and was actually very ill. So my mother uh, took me to the hospital to get some treatment Mm -hmm. for this. Mm -hmm. But like I said, it didn't really uh, touch on anything uh, underlying what, what appeared to be, you know, the symptoms all they would talk to me about was how much I should weigh, how much food I should be eating, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and they threatened me with hospitalization had I lost any more weight. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was just, it was actually traumatizing in a way. Mm-hmm. From what my understanding of the treatment centers are, is that that is their goal is gain weight, lose weight, just kind of get stable and then get out. And it doesn't dive deeper into those concepts of what brought you there and what created that. Is that correct? Exactly. That's mm-hmm. how I feel. I've heard that from many women and uh, I've heard that from many parents who have called me. Mm-hmm. My, my daughter just went through treatment at the local hospital and it was a traumatic experience for her and she's getting worse now that she's mm-hmm. out of treatment. And there's really nothing to address. I believe women who are, um, you know, in their thirties, forties, fifties, because this happens, you know, in later in life and mm-hmm. they don't uh, really talk about any hormonal uh, issues that could be going on. Women who are older have more experience, more life experience, um, perhaps more traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have different responsibilities, right? Mm-hmm. And so how do you dive deeper into this with them? First of all, someone has to really be ready to mm-hmm. work on things. Um, and usually it's because a certain approach didn't work. Or maybe it's just a point in time where they had issues before when they were younger and they have resurfaced. Mm-hmm. Or, um I really like to individualize what I do with people. Mm-hmm. It's necessary. We're all individual. We all have inner workings that are different. We all have different experiences and perceptions and 
uh, different tastes for different things. So if one approach isn't working, then I go to another approach. I have many tools in my toolbox <laughs> mm-hmm. from uh, intuitive being counseling to energy, energy psychology to uh, the mindfulness part, which is the meditation and yoga nidra mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the yoga itself. Can you speak a little bit about EFT, um, what that stands for and how you use it? Because I, um, a little confession here, I kind of thought that it was a little bit woo-woo and and not really therapeutic or maybe in somebody's head. And as I've been diving deeper into that topic, I realized that there is it is backed by science um, and it has been proven to be effective for PTSD and trauma and anxiety. Um, and I'm so curious about that modality because I know that you use that modality and I really don't know much about it. So can you share a little bit about that? Sure. It's a great tool to have to bring the nervous system back to normal. <laughs> the vagus nerve goes down the back of the neck and then it goes down the back and there's the sympathetic, right? Fight, flight, freeze. But then the parasympathetic, which we think of rest and digest, there's also freeze response. So you can be in fight, flight in the sympathetic, but the parasympathetic is that freeze response. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're in freeze response, you're basically like frozen. Mm-hmm. Nothing's nothing's moving. So you're frozen there, but then the flight, flight, fight, flight, you're, you know, getting ready, you're running, you're um, fighting, standing and fighting. So <clears throat> what EFT does, uh, we press on certain acupressure points from ancient Chinese medicine. We also do add uh, the psychology part of it into it in terms of um, adding in words to describe the person's feelings, experience, etc. But what it does, if you think of the fight flight being up on this bell curve here, and you think of the freeze is just like down in a bell curve, we want to bring the system back to a nice, normal, uh, homeostatic state. And that's what EFT can do. Mm-hmm. It can help pull you out of that freeze response. I find it's uh, such an overwhelming place to be when nothing moves. Literally nothing in the body is moving. Nothing, nothing is moving. But it is possible to get out of that. Mm-hmm. So you're tapping on meridian points on the body, and how what how are you tapping? I'm not doing the tapping. Oh, they're they're tapping <laughs> the person, themselves. Yes, yeah, they're tapping on themselves. Um, unless it's a very extreme case where they've been overcome by uh, great emotion, and um, that can happen. I've seen that too, but. Um, yeah, so they're tapping on themselves. There are different points. If you want me to go with the points, I'm very happy to do that. <laughs> yes, I'm curious where those points are and, and how how lightly they or firmly they tap and how long mm-hmm. they do it and how that how that works or how quickly you can see a response from that. Okay, so why don't we do something here then? Okay. We'll do a little uh, deep breathing test here and we'll do, use EFT. And you can just repeat after me and follow me around with the points. Mm-hmm. So first of all... I'll show you the, t- the the tapping points. So this okay. one here, it's on the side of the hand. It's right um, between the uh, base knuckle, the pinky finger, and the wrist bone. So right here, and you just use two fingers to tap very lightly a couple of times here. Maybe I'm overdoing it five, six, seven, eight times. That's the first point. 
And uh, that's the side of the, the hand point. And then we go up here and the second point here is right where the eyebrow meets the um, inner edge of the eye, I, I would say. Here, nice, very, very gentle. <laughs> and then you go along the eyebrow and right here on the outer edge of the eyebrow, there's this little bone here. It's like very tender. So you wanna be very careful there. So just tapping a little bit here, two or three fingers is fine. Just a couple times. And then we have under under the eye, which is right underneath the eye. And that's very tender too. And then we have under the nose, which is just under the nose. Just above the upper lip. The chin, which is just underneath the lower lip. Right here. And then we have a collarbone point. So with the collarbone point, I just like to tell someone, you know, Tap with one hand, two hands, just kind of where a man would put his tie, right? Where his tie? Right there. Hmm. Yeah. And then under the arm. So right where a lady would wear a bra strap, under the arm. Last point here is the top of the head. Very tippy top of the head. Very gentle again. Right there. So those are the tapping points. And there are more. There are different ways we can tap, different places we can tap. But those are the basics. Mm -hmm. And how long cool. do they do that? Is it very depending on how long it takes for their nervous system to calm down? Well, yes. I mean, this can be an intervention. Uh, if someone's very anxious, if someone's overcome with emotion or triggered or the nervous system is, you know, they're in that state, they can use this basic recipe for themselves. Like they can use just tapping even one place. I've known mm -hmm. people to tap on like one point in particular that they really feel drawn to. Uh, they can do that in times of distress and it will help to create that balance in the nervous system. But what I do is I want to be very specific with the person about what they're experiencing, uh, what their thoughts are, perhaps working on their actions. Um, so it's really rewiring their system so it's allowing their system to feel safe it's it's um also rewiring their neural pathway mm -hmm. right so are you saying that you use this technique when somebody's sharing and it's something kind of intense and it's a way for them to rewire and calm their nervous system and also you can teach them that when they're triggered or they when they feel anxiety or stress that it's a way to self-soothe is that what i'm hearing yes absolutely it actually interrupts the pattern too. So if they become aware enough, and, and first of all, people sometimes are not aware. What's bringing on this binge? Am I going to binge? What 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 am I feeling now? When someone's more aware of that, they can interrupt that pattern with EFT. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, anything actually that could interrupt that pattern and have a moment of inward reflection is is a, is a way to break the cycle. It is. Um, and there are lots of like ways to cognitively do that, you know, but when someone is in that state or they're triggered, it's, it's not, I mean, I think it's not perhaps the best way to come in with like a, a cognitive right. um, approach to that. And the energetic approach of EFT, I find really works very well. 
Well, they're doing a lot more research too that, you know, um, and I have a master's in social work, so it's funny that I'm saying this, but that the talk therapy model, um, a lot of times is re-traumatizing for people. Um, it seems like more and more as, as science is coming out about that, that it's getting phased out and there's other methods that are coming forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have had uh, clients really be re-traumatized by talk therapy Mm -hmm. and, uh, counseling like that. And I've had people Mm -hmm. be, you know, they'll have a story, they'll talk about it for 20 years and, uh, it's just completely repressed. Sometimes it's it's hard to access what's there in order to so help. So what do you, what do you do when somebody isn't aware of what's causing these feelings or these um, urges? Um, when they're not aware, I'm not going to go digging around for any kind of trauma. Mm-hmm. We're just going to start where we start and see where it goes. Uh, and uh, if the EFT isn't working, I work. Uh, with yoga and movement and somatosensory yoga. And um, I also do meditation, which is specific for trauma or creating safety from within. Mm-hmm. So all of those things and the intuitive eating counseling, if they want more of a cognitive approach, that's fine. But I, I do find that most people gravitate toward the EFT and, and we tend to somehow rub up against what that was. Do you feel like people that have eating disorders have some kind of disconnection from their body? Oh, yes. <laughs> is that oh, is yeah. that a common thread like throughout? Mhm. Yes. Uh yes, it is and yes, I can speak definitely from experience. Yeah. Can you share what that's like? Yeah, uh for years I felt like a floating head. Everything was up here. I was very cerebral. Um, I can remember times, uh, one specific time, um, I was in a very hot, very athletic class and uh, had this feeling like I'm watching everyone around me and I know I'm doing the movements and I know I'm keeping up, but I don't feel my body. This is a very strange experience. (laughs) Um, That was... An awareness that I had. I also remember driving my car on the highway and just feeling like I was ahead, mm-hmm. floating, or like a doll or something. That's that's you know very disconnected from my body. Not really feeling mm-hmm. anything in my body. Not really, yeah, identified with my body in any way. So what was your personal path to reconnecting with your body and how did that evolve? Yeah. So, uh, the first things that I really found, um, to help me were EFT, emotional freedom technique, mm-hmm. um, because it is a somatic, uh, treatment. Well, how did you find it? It's funny because, you know, I have a, I have a degree in homeopathic medicine, so I'm a homeopathic doctor. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, I had some colleagues that were actually telling me about this, you know, EFT, the emotional freedom technique. They were doing a little bit of like self-tapping and that kind of stuff and it, it was working. And yeah, I got curious. And um, when you said it was woo-woo, I was remembering something that I saw like years ago on the internet. And this woman was tapping all over her face. And I'm thinking, this is crazy. (laughs) 
But but uh, later on, like I said, my colleagues were talking and I became curious and I signed up for a weekend workshop and I I had to do it. I just had to do it. Did I you feel like, that connection in, in that workshop? Connection? No, it took me it took me a while. And the program that I was part of was amazing because you would learn the theory, you would learn the practicum, you would learn all of these different things and terms and, and how to use it for the people, but also it, uh, there was a, a personal component. You had to do your own work. Yeah. So it was when I was doing my own work and that a lot of stuff came up mm-hmm. and uh, working through that. What kind program. of stuff like emotions came up or memories? Uh, not so much memories for me at first. Mm-hmm. Um, I had gone through lots of traumatic experiences, mm-hmm. um, not knowing then how they were affecting me. Um, not understanding the disconnection from my body, just thinking it was normal. And uh, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't so much thoughts. It was more emotions. I would come home from work and I would feel like I was like just in this deep, dark hole, mm-hmm. just, just almost buried in emotion, mm-hmm. you know? But that makes sense Mine. because you were you were so disconnected from your body, and now you're doing this, and things are opening up, and all of a sudden you're feeling something for the first time. That's probably pretty scary. <laughs> it was very intensely scary. It was very mm-hmm. scary. Um, it wasn't even during the during the actual um, tapping in class that this was mm-hmm. coming up. It was coming up later. It was coming mm-hmm. up when I came home from work. I came to work all day, and then I'm coming home and I'm crying for a good hour on my bed just not knowing, you know, what was, what was happening inside. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. EFT really helped me process and integrate and, and really uh, help me connect with my body because trauma, whether you believe it or not is really, uh, and I've seen this and experienced it stored in our body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The body keeps score. Oh, yes. Yes. My favorite book. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, it's, it's so profound. It's, I mean, I didn't exactly know what was happening when I was taking my training, but the shaking, the, mm-hmm. uh, the shaking animal shake, you know, yeah. stuff off. We don't. We energy just... release. <laughs> right. But um, yeah, just, just the, the profound emotional release. And even the imagery that went with it. They talk about when animals have a trauma or something happens, they do. They have that. They shake, they go, they hide, they crawl into a little hole, they take care of themselves, and then they come back out. But humans, what we do is we just plow forward, we ignore it, we move through it, and we never process it. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, even in some of my regular yoga classes, I, I say, shake, shake your legs or, you know, give yourself a nice tap somewhere and really, uh, get rid of that. It's very profound to release that physically and emotionally at the same time. So how did you do that without support or did you have support through that? Or were you doing this all on your own? 
<laughs> I had some support. Yes, of course, I had support uh, mm-hmm. when I was going to school for EFT. I had a practitioner that was working with me, mm-hmm. uh, and I had so many profound shifts. Um, I learned of matrix reimprinting, which is more of an advanced form working with the inner child, working with it's very excellent for, for trauma work. So, uh, I had experience there, uh, some practitioners and, um, when I was taking my yoga training, I mean, I was healing through the training, Mm -hmm. right? I knew that this was, this is going to help people. And I had to had to investigate. I had to train in it. I had to get my certification and start getting out there and helping people in the world because <laughs> for me, it was absolutely life-changing. Mm-hmm. And then the other tools that I picked up, like the intuitive eating. Um, I'd love for you to talk about that too. That I'm so curious mm-hmm. about intuitive eating and what that means. Yeah, just very briefly. <laughs> intuitive eating, is it's not a diet. It sounds like intuitive like meditative or mindful eating Mm -hmm. and it's not really mindful eating it's it's different but there is a component of mindfulness um in terms of of food and eating but it's a way um to really foster a better relationship with food and our bodies um Mm -hmm. and everyone is individual so what an example be like am i feeling full or like what would be an example of intuitive eating well in terms of like do you know your hunger signals it's not just a rumbling in the tummy it could mm-hmm. be like um, a sensation in the head it could be like a lightheadedness or a, sort of a shaky feeling inside or mm-hmm. it could be anything from smelling food and you know wanting to eat <laughs> It could be it could be a number of things, and people don't really connect those things to hunger, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can yeah. see how that would vary from person to person because everybody's got different ways of figuring that out for themselves. Yeah, it goes into the emotional uh, side of eating as well. Mm-hmm. You know, what are you feeling? What do you need right now in the moment, and mm-hmm. how can you meet that need? So that's a very cognitive approach. Um, when I marry it with the EFT, it seems to be a little easier for people to to do that. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, as well. And I've always thought that with eating disorders, it's more tricky than all of the other addictions or impulses that other people have. Because if you have an issue with drinking or drugs, you kind of cut it out of your life. Or- and eating is not something that you can ever walk away from. So if you have a struggle with an eating disorder, it seems like you're faced with it all of the time, day in and day out. Is there a point where you just, it normalizes and you don't have to think about it anymore? Um, I think that's very individual. What about your experience with that? Uh, I don't really think about it anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't. Um, I've been on a long healing journey, and uh, it's not—it's not any kind of thing that I, I really have to think about. But in terms of your comment there, just cutting like drugs or alcohol out of your life does that really work? If you know Gabor Mate, um, he's uh, such a wonderful, wise. Um, 
brilliant man. Uh, but he says, you know, it's not what happened to you. It's what happens inside of you as a result of what happens. So if even if you have a, a drug addiction or alcohol addiction or, you know, it could be anything, be anything, it could be a shopping addiction, it could be sex addiction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unless you deal with what's happening on the inside, yep. is that ever going to go away? And when the women come to you, I'm, I'm guessing that they have to overcome a hurdle of, of shame. Is that a stereotype or is that something that kind of has to be worked through and the first level and then go to a deeper level? Yeah, I think, I think there is a certain amount of shame with it. Yeah, there definitely is. Uh, and I think there's a lot of self blame. Uh, I think, it has a lot to do with self-forgiveness as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you really have to forgive yourself. Um, and yeah, the shame, the shame is, is definitely there. And I'm guessing yeah. that's what prevents some women from coming forward and even getting treatment. I bet that's one of the biggest barriers to treatment. It is. It absolutely is. Or um, the lack of awareness some people are still in this like spiral mm-hmm. and they, they don't really see it. Mm-hmm. Or if they got treatment, they got through it, had success for a while. And then like you said, something happens and they come back to it. Then um, that yeah. might feel like a failure, even though it's just a little bit of a setback that has to be worked through. Exactly. And that's, that's part of it too, is that I want people to take away tools so yeah. that in the future, <laughs> they have tools that they can use themselves mm-hmm. to help prevent any future setbacks. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really important. Um, you know, I don't think treatment programs really give you, maybe they give you tools, mm-hmm. but I don't think that they're the most useful tools. Right. Their goals are a little bit different than your goal. Yeah. Your goal is to get to the root of the problem, to get them connected with their body, to kind of work through some of these things and come to a self-realization in the treatment program. They're wanting them to gain weight, lose weight, kind of say what they're supposed to say and then, and then get out. Yeah. It's jumping the hoops, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it really is. Um, but uh, I provide that sort of route cause treatment for people. Mm -hmm. What are some misconceptions about eating disorders that you found? Well, I think that one, when people think of eating disorders, they think of the typical white, young woman, (laughs) teenager or something. Uh, but eating disorders come in all shapes and sizes and um, socioeconomic uh, backgrounds and, and just people would not think that you could be in a bigger body and have anorexia, mm-hmm. but you can. Mm-hmm. Many people do. I think people do picture young women in their twenties and then it not affecting an older population. So I think it's interesting that you're bringing this information forward to an older population. I I imagine that when people are in their twenties, somebody's pushing them to treatment, they might not be going 
because they brought themselves there. And when somebody's coming in their 30s, 40s, 50s, they're ready to take that on and tackle it. That takes a lot of courage. It takes some insight. Um, you can't heal until you're ready to heal and look at some of that ugliness. And um, a lot of people aren't ready to do that. It's scary. It's difficult. And uh, it's, it's the only way to heal any trauma. All mm -hmm. trauma has to be dealt with. And I do believe when you say like we hold that trauma in our body, I, I, I don't have an eating disorder, but I have an experience of holding trauma in my body and what it's like to do that for years and to get it out. And, um, and it's unhealthy and it's scary and it's hard and it takes courage for anybody and for these women to step forward and come to you. I think that takes a ton of courage. Huge courage. And, you know, um, I think that, you know, like you said earlier, the shame, the shame. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's it's more courageous to to reach out than to to, to have, you know, to suffer. Mm -hmm. okay. And what is the reason that they usually come forward? Is it because, um, like, medically they're having issues, or do they just like? What do you find is their motivation? Is it is it to heal? Is it for health reasons? Is it varied? Um, I think it's more, there's something under this that needs to be dealt with. Mm -hmm. These things are coming up again. I don't understand what it is. Um, and it's, it's, it's not just the weight. It's not just the, the appearance. It's not just, it's not that there's something underneath this. Mm -hmm. and, they're and I can't, I can't really, I need help. Yeah. I need different help than maybe I got before. And especially you know? because there's that disconnection with the body. And so that process of reconnecting with your body and reconnecting with feelings and emotions, that's, that's a big hurdle. Um, and to be ready for and to dive into, do you have, do you have people that come and then it's just a little too scary and they back out or do you find most people are willing, like they're ready to go there with you? I think if they start working with me, they're ready to go there. Yeah. They're ready. Um, you know, I, I like I said, I'm not digging for these deep traumas. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm very uh, aware and intuitive about where someone is in their journey. Mm-hmm. So, uh, whatever I do is tailored completely to them. Their path is totally unique mm -hmm. and uh, I respect that and I understand that. Yeah. And your journey, what was the hardest hurdle for you? Well, I had a lot of, uh, deep kind of childhood wounds and, and, um, impactful things happen. Uh, I was actually in... Uh, quite abusive relationship that perpetuated things. <laughs> mm -hmm. It really, uh, it was very triggering. It, it uh, perpetuated and deepened uh, my disordered eating and my patterns. I mean, that's what I was, you know, turning to. So I think that was a huge struggle to get over it. And all the pain that comes with breakups and you're thinking, you know, you're feeling like you love this person or, or, mm -hmm. you know, and just losing yourself in that person. It was an mm -hmm. abusive relationship, narcissistically, mm -hmm. 
<laughs> abusive. So it was very difficult um, in that sense. But, it, you know, it just was, yeah, it was really unhealthy for me as a, a person and particularly a person who's suffered with trauma and had, you know, suffered with eating disorders for many years, it just perpetuated things, it made it much, much worse. So, But how incredibly empowering for you to have walked away from that and to stand into your power and to know that that's right and do it despite how difficult it was. It was a process. <laughs> right. It, was a process. it didn't happen yeah. overnight. <laughs> And that's the thing I think that's really good for people to remember too, is that things don't happen overnight. And it's kind of like a little bit of a roller coaster. It does, there's not just this upward slope of, of healing. I, I, there's a lot of up and down and in between and circling around. And then you think you're done and it kind of comes back up again and you have to deal with it in a different way. I don't think we just have something come up, we deal with it and then it's gone forever. Um, and it can be, I think that there can be deep, deep, deep healing, but it, that doesn't happen overnight. No, no, it doesn't. I mean, uh, people uh, talk about like miracle wonder EFT, right? <laughs> and um, it may happen in one session um, with something. I've had years of panic attacks go away in three sessions, <laughs> gone oh, completely. Amazing. But this is not something that happens all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this can take time, mm -hmm. particularly when we've had years and years of this pattern, right? Mm -hmm. We're patterning the brain, the neural networks. It takes mm -hmm. time. It takes time mm -hmm. to practice. It takes commitment to practice. And probably come in they're like how many sessions i want to do eight sessions i want to be fixed and this is how you're going to do it and and maybe one person takes eight sessions and one takes 18 or 80 <laughs> yeah. um, depending on how ready they are and depending on how deep things are and depending on what methods work the best absolutely i just love talking to you i've learned so much I, I don't know a lot about this topic and i find it super fascinating um and i think you have something incredible to share um, and so tell people how they can find you in any other offerings that you might not have mentioned. I do offer the one-on-ones, um, I believe it's three or five sessions. I like to start off with that anyway. Um, I have some free tools on my website. It's uh, com, and that's S-T-E-P-H-E-N-I-E-F-A-R-R-E-L-L.com. Uh, you can reach out at hello at stephaniefarrell.com by email. Um, and uh, I'm, you know, just love to hear from people. Um, I have a YouTube channel. I have an Instagram. It's at stephanie underscore Farrell underscore. And you can find me on Facebook too. <laughs> and I'll put all these links in the show notes so people can find you and, and, and work with you, hopefully, if they have some issues that they need. Um, some help with. Yeah. This has been so interesting and I'm so glad that you're doing this work and helping so many people and you're so knowledgeable about so many different treatment modalities, movement modalities. Thank you so much. Yeah. I just want to share everything. So. Thank you for listening to the Connected Community Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, share, and subscribe. I can be found at www.nikkiyyoga.com, N-I-C-K-Y, 
Y-Y-O-G-A.com. Until I see you again next week, I hope you have a beautiful day.